Uh, welcome to the North Score podcast. This is Michael Rand. We got Chris Hine here as well. Podcast number four uh, of the North Score. Four North Scores. Yes. And seven years ago. Uh, no, that's <laughs> terrible joke. I wish I had not terrible, said that. Terrible, terrible joke. I wish I hadn't said that. Um, there's no going back now. Though. Not already, editing that out. We already started the podcast. Um, we got a lot to talk about, though, because this. Uh, as much as things are slowing down a little bit, uh, there, there's always something going on here. And then one of the biggest things that's happened um, in Twin City Sports in the last week or so is the uh, dismissal, I guess is the polite way of putting it, of a wild general manager, Chuck Fletcher. Not renewing his contract. Not renewing his contract. So yeah, technically was, not a firing, but... Right. He was, fi- he was fired. He I mean, was he, fired. He had yeah. a job. He no longer has that job. Yes. It's not by his choice. Yes. He was fired. He's fired. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, uh, as a result of that, you, you wrote an interesting piece um, kind of looking at how a, a fresh set of eyes, as, uh, as, as uh, Craig Leopold likes to put it, uh, might look... At this roster, and and you know, kind of, if you're a, a wild fan who thinks, boy, they're just boxed in by all these, you know, kind of uh, long-term deals with with veterans mm-hmm. that their salary cap is kind of hopeless. Uh, you at least threw a, a little bit of a breadcrumb to folks and said, you know, it, it's not great, but but maybe there's some some things that they can do. So let, let's let's dive into that subject. Yeah. What what could a, a new wild general manager do to kind of remake, even if you can't like totally blow up this roster. How, yeah. how what are some of the things that maybe give you more confidence than other people that they they could do some things here? Um, I think from a overall perspective, before we get into the nitty gritty of yeah. it, um, they're going to get a little bit of cap space, mm-hmm. and they do have some desirable assets. You know, okay. as even though it was a first round exit and people are very down on the team, they have some some assets on this team that other teams might look at and give them a pretty good return for. Right. So let's let's go in that direction. Um, Craig yeah. Leopold, I think one of the interesting things that he said uh, after letting Fletcher go was that he didn't think this team was that far away, but also that they are kind of far away because they keep <laughs> because they keep losing early in the playoffs. Right. So he doesn't think big changes are needed, but he also does think big changes are needed. Yeah. So it's a very fine needle for the next right. general manager to to have to thread here. I think but but I think I think the consensus is there's going to be changes of some kind here coming coming in the next few months. Read between the lines for mm-hmm. for that with Craig Leopold. Mm-hmm. It's uh Hey fans, we're gonna try to win a Stanley Cup, but hey fans, keep buying tickets because we're not just gonna blow up the roster. Right, exactly. So there's not gonna be a complete rebuild. Right. So how do you restructure the team right. without completely tearing it all down? Right. And there's there are a couple ways where this can happen. So let's start with this, by looking at the salary cap and saying okay. how much money the Wild are going to have next right. year. So the salary cap was $75 million this year. Okay. The Wild ended the season right there at the limit. Yeah, and they, and they had to get creative just to stay there. They, they did. were like sending they did. guys down. They had down sending guys like, down and, right. and bringing them back up at certain times. Right. And so they were doing a fancy limbo dance like to in, get under the cap. In, in a game of millions and tens of millions, they were concerned about thousands. For ca- Right, exactly. And for casual fans, this isn't like Major League Baseball or the NBA where you can go over and pay a luxury tax. You have to come this in a under hard the cap. cap. This is a hard cap. Yeah. So, okay. So where are they getting money from? Yeah. Thomas Vanek's contract. You might remember Finally. they bought yes. him out they sure uh, did. two off-seasons ago. Sure did. $2.5 million coming off the books next year. That's... 
That's a plus in the Wilds column for next year. Question on that, yes. if, if I can stop you for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, you co- I know you cover the NHL for a while. Mm-hmm. How often? I, I don't know the NHL rules on mm-hmm. buyouts. How often can you? How often can you just flat out buy out a contract? And what are the? What's the relief you mm-hmm. get in that? Is, do, is there a limit on how many contracts you, know, you can buy out? You're do you know that? Stumping. There okay. is. There is. You're stumping me okay. at the moment. Sorry, I don't know, but Never there mind. is a limit. Erase. Yes. Erase. Never mind. I think it's a certain amount you can have on the books at one time. But okay. If you only have one on I, the books at, at a time. I only say that because you. I only say that because you reference potentially buying out Tyler Ennis later yes. in this in the piece you wrote. But because Vanek is coming off the books, okay. you might be able to put another one okay. on. But regardless. Um, you're getting Vanek off the books. Getting Vanek off the books. That's two and a half million clear. Dead money that wasn't going to anybody on the ice last year. Now off yes, the books. Yes, yes. So that's that's a positive in the in the two and a half column. million. Two yes. and a half million. Miko Koivu. Now fans might be crying over the fact that he signed a two-year contract extension, right. uh, given his age. But Koivu's cap hit in yeah. this new contract is going from 6.75 million to right. 5.5 million right. because he's 35 years old yeah. I think. Um you, you can't, he's getting uh, old. You can't pay Miko Koivu less if you don't first pay him too much. Right, exactly. <laughs> this is yes. how I would describe that yes. saving. Yes. Um but that is a contract that's going down, so it's less money. It is a savings of 1.25 million. So between Vanek and Koivu, you've got about three point seven five million coming off the and, books next and, year. And Koivu's number, uh, maybe this isn't a perfect time to bring this up, but brings mm-hmm. up something that I wasn't exactly mm-hmm. aware of. Maybe Parisian Suter are a better example mm-hmm. of this. Is that uh, you can't, you can maybe you can do some different things with how much money you're paying someone, but the cap hit once you sign a contract is the same. Yes. every year in the NHL, whereas in different sports, in you, the NFL, in NFL totally like. Yeah varies the cap hits from year to year with different bonuses and things so like that. So you can, in the NHL, you can front load a contract all you want or back load a contract. With money. With money. Right. With, with real dollars. Right. Yes. But in terms of the cap hit, right. that stays the same. If I, if I sign somebody to a, a ten year, a two-year $10 million contract mm-hmm. and I give them $9 million in the first year and right. $1 million in the second year, cap hits the five cap million. hits $5 million, no matter how much I right. give them in year one or year two. Right. So the NHL you cannot, and you also cannot renegotiate contracts in the NHL. So anybody who thinks that they can renegotiate Suter and Parise's right. deals, think again. Yeah. There's no contract these, renegotiation in the NHL. These are the same people that have wanted the people to wanted the Twins to trade Maurer for the last eight years when he's had a <laughs> hard no trade clause. Yes, why can't they just trade Maurer? Well, uh, it's well in his contract. because and also it's in Parise's Suter's contract. Yes, also it is. Um, they cannot be moved. Yes, so th- those are non-starters. But like mm-hmm. you said, Koivu going down. Mm-hmm. Vanek off the book. So there's $3.75 million there. Mm-hmm. So the other uh, aspect of this, um, yes. and you can you can make the claim that, okay, so the Wild are benefiting from this, but so is every other NHL team. But it also helps the Wild because it gives them flexibility to make moves, is that the NHL salary cap is projected to go up by a significant amount next year. Um, between three and seven million uh, is the increase, a, and for the NHL, that's a big increase. Yeah, and for the Wild, that's a big kind of moving target. I yes, would think that that, yes. that that cap increase will be will kind of dictate in a lot of ways what they're able to do. It will. It feels like yes, it it will. Um, it, whether it's three million or seven million, it's a big deal. To that's, a that's, big that's, deal a, that's a big deal to a. It's a big deal to them. It's a big deal to a lot yes, of teams. That's like one good player. It is worth four, of that cap four space. million yes. worth of cap space is like you say. Yeah, one good player. Um, 
So whether it goes up by three or seven million depends on a number of issues um, that are too complicated to get into on this podcast. Um, but let's assume, for the sake of argument, that it's at the low end of that of so that up, spectrum, going up three million. So going up three million. Um, between the three million, it goes up, and between the three point seven five million. Yeah. Um, so you've yeah. got about you've got Close six point seven. seven five yeah. million seven million dollars of cap space for next season that you didn't have last year that you didn't have last year. Got it. So you've got so that going start. for you. That's it's a start. start. That's it's, a start. It's room. Okay. It's room to maneuver. Right. But the mm-hmm. uh, the the pessimist or the realist might say, well, they get seven million in cap space, but they got to sign uh, they got to sign Zucker and they got to sign Dumba, and yes. there's your seven million. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> a, a pessimist would say that. And, you know, quite honestly, that's a, it's a fair argument. Right. It's, but uh, keep in mind that, you know, they were already making a, a decent amount of money right. this year. So it's not like you're... It's not going to take up the whole... It's not going to take up the whole $7 million sure. to re-sign these guys. Fair. It's going to take up a couple of million for Extra sure. beyond yes. what they're making right now. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, so... But the thing to remember with with Zucker and Dumba is that they are restricted free agents, and that's very important for the Wilds' leverage here. Okay. Um, Restricted free agents offer the teams that control their rights a lot of options. Okay. Um, Restricted free agent means other teams can sign these guys to offer sheets, and the Wild have... um, the opportunity to match those offer sheets. And if the Wild decline to match those offer sheets, they get draft picks in exchange right. for compensation. What are those? Haven't right. had those around <laughs> here for a while. <laughs> um, and Dumba and Zucker, based on their years this year, uh, and everybody likes to, you know, crap on Dumba and, you know, yeah. you see why at times. But he, he was, was good. but overall he's a very good yep. young defenseman. Right. He would command a lot of high draft picks. Zucker's coming off a great season scoring-wise. He would command a lot of uh, heavy draft compensation. So it rarely happens that teams extend offer sheets to other players. That is very rare in the NHL. Right. Um, So you don't really have to worry about that happening um, if you're a Wild fan. Um, Now, what might happen is that the Wild might say to Dumba or Zucker, if they're looking for a long-term deal, maybe they won't be able to come to an agreement on that. But because they're restricted free agents, the Wilds can then trade either Dumba or Zucker to another team, and they can get a pretty nice haul back for them. Trade the rights or trade, trade the, 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 trade right the, the players? Trade right the player and their rights to another team who would, who, then, who would then presumably sign them to a long-term deal. Right. I've, I, when I covered the Blackhawks, I saw that happen uh, with Brandon Saad. Okay. Um, in twenty after the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup in twenty fifteen, okay, the, Brandon Saad uh, was owed a big contract. The mm-hmm. Blackhawks could not come to an agreement with him on one. Um, they flipped him to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and okay. they were, got a pretty heavy haul in return for Brandon Saad's rights. Okay. So you you have leverage there that if you can't come to an agreement with these guys, you it's not all hope is lost. Right. You can get you can get draft picks you can get prospects or young players promising young players in return for those guys and maybe multiple players sure who might be on entry-level deals so aside from the relief they're going to get and aside from these two guys that they have decisions to make Mm -hmm. um 
What are some other potentially creative solutions they could make? Because you, you mentioned some of them. I, I like some of these. I might even go further on some of these, but maybe the most intriguing one you note is 42-goal scorer Eric Stahl. Is that a guy you should think <laughs> about trading because his value will probably, almost certainly, never be higher than it is yes, right now? Yes. You know, most successful GMs, get to be that way when they make trades because they trade when a guy's value is at its highest and they, they trade for a guy when uh, of his value might be at a low point. To me, Eric Stahl, looking from a macro sense at this roster, is the ultimate sell-high candidate. Sure, um, I agree with that. He's coming off one of his best years of his career, but he's 33 years old. He is in the la- he's entering the last year of a what is a reasonable contract for his age and his yeah, production. This, ironically, this was probably one of the best. It's probably one of the Fletcher best things Fletcher did in the yes. last few years was yes. to bring Eric Stahl in f- at three point five million yes. per year, um, which makes him an attractive trade candidate. Sure. That contract plus his production, there would be a big market if the if a new GM comes in and says, "Look, Eric Stahl is is." Getting up there in age, he he may not be a part of our long-term plans. Let's try to capitalize on that now and get something for him that'll benefit us in two, three, four years, as opposed to just riding out the last year of his deal and then slowly watching him decline once he turns 34, 35 years old. Right. Um, to me, if I was a GM, I would seriously look into trading Eric Stahl. Yeah, and that's, and that's kind of where... Fletcher is culpable for criticism because I mm-hmm. think if anything, we'll get into this in a couple fronts. But mm-hmm. but one, he had a history of maybe extending, giving new contracts to guys that were kind of on that decline. Guy yeah. like Jason Pominville, um, a guy like obviously Miko Koivu. Like Koivu. I mean, no. guys who still had had some value, but that if you were really, you know, going to look at it in a in a in a really you know. Uh, unemotional way maybe mm-hmm. you would say i just don't think we should do that that's too much money we we need to be in, re- investing in other directions yep. so you know i think that plus you know some of these other younger players you mentioned you know like maybe trading the rights to uh, zucker or dumbo or maybe trading a guy like charlie coyle or nino niederreiter um mm-hmm. uh, kind of speaks to something else that uh that, that leopold was saying is that you know he hopes that a new gm will approach this kind of without being beholden to a certain to certain players you know mm-hmm. because I, I think a gm who's been around for nine years like fletcher kind of has uh, if even if it's not a strict loyalty it's a you kind of have a pride in the players you have brought in yeah. and selected and maybe are and the, a little less inclined and the player to and the players you've given long-term deals right. to you don't want to you know give a big contract to a guy and then admit you right. made a mistake and then turn around and right. trade them because th- those guys doing well make you look smart right exactly I- and so you know it, so somebody else comes in and says well i didn't draft charlie core didn't trade for charlie core i didn't you know i didn't uh, mm-hmm. trade for nino niederreiter uh what you know i have no emotional attachment i'm gonna make the best hockey decision i think yep. that's that's where i think leopold is looking for kind of a gm to make some some bold but not you know i don't think he wants them to flip nino niederreiter for Two completely unproven players. I think he'd like you know a GM yes. to make a smart move for someone who else is going to contribute. Exactly. in a sense. So you, you need you need to find those those kind of players. Like I said, if you were trading, if you were going to trade Eric Stahl, right, um, you would want to get back in return 
either promising young players on entry level deals or high draft picks. Yeah. Or a combination of both. And yeah. I think for, for Leopold's uh situation or for based on his comments he's probably looking at more traded for nhl ready talent yeah i think so so you'd have to make a trade with a team that's willing to give you multiple young players prospects yeah. uh, in return um and I'm, i think you could do that and now and, and you we can make an argument over anybody on the wild um and the the merits of trading them i know coil um, is a name that has popped up a lot. Could be a sell um, low case, but, but exactly that would be that would be the example of selling low, right? Where how much value are you really going to get for Charlie Coyle? And and you know you can make the argument um, that you could just want to trade him to get rid of the cap hit. Well, the thing is, if if you're doing a salary dump and and covering the Blackhawks, yeah, I witnessed <laughs> no, I witnessed trades where they made trades just to get people's cap hits off their books. And the thing is, that requires giving up. Uh, in, in one trade, they gave up Tavo Teravainen, yeah. one of the, the right. highly touted young players. They had to give him up in, in a cap, a salary cap dump, and they've had to give up draft picks. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to go back through my through my through through the history in my head, but the point is, if you want to trade somebody like Charlie Coyle, um, at three point two million a year yeah. to get him off the books, you're going to have to give up something, something else, else right. in you return. Just, and this is not a yeah. this is the cupboard isn't exactly right brimming over the top with right. talented prospects and, and high draft picks here. No, yeah, you don't want to right. You don't just get to give up the player you don't want anymore. You have to give right. up more than that in a salary. Right, day. unless you're unless you can find somebody out there who wants Charlie who Coyle. wants, Char- which, who wants which you, Charlie Coyle. You might I mean Charlie Coyle is not a bad player. He's it could it could be it could be a situation where. But the thing is, you you could trade Charlie Coyle away. And these these kind of deals are done every, all the time in the NHL. You trade Charlie Coyle to a team who maybe believes in him and that a fresh start will help him out. And, and then you get somebody similarly. You have their, you have you their, have version, their of, version of Charlie Coyle, Coyle coming yeah. to the wild right. in, a, in a let's right. see if a new uh, environment right. helps this player out. Right. That's the best you could hope for out of yes. a Charlie Coyle trade. Right. Whereas an Eric Stahl trade, you could actually an Eric Stahl trade, probably you, you get could, a useful player right away, maybe someone who's not. Um, you know, a, a guaranteed or a, a known commodity like like Stahl was mm-hmm. last year, but someone who's, you know, who who could help you immediately and yes. could, could help you in the long run. Yes, absolutely. I I fiddled around with the notion of trading Devin Dubnik for a while, and then I decided it's probably not a great idea. No, I wouldn't. I, I thought his I salary wouldn't. was kind of high, but it turns out it's just like twenty first among goalies. It's not really it's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. He's, he's kind of compensated okay. according to yeah. his ability. I just, I just never have been. Uh, for as good his a lot of his regular season play has mm-hmm. been, he's he's never you know stolen a playoff series for yeah. them or anything like that. So I, I've wondered, <laughs> I've wondered if uh, they could do better if if an upgrade there was was something. But that's that's probably not their most pressing off season uh, need. It's not. And, and the other thing I want to add too is, I w- I would trade stall because. Of his age too, yep. and I've seen some of the the commenters and, and people online. They want to trade Brodine. I wouldn't do that with a twenty four year old no. defenseman. Right, uh, Dumba. I wouldn't do it with a twenty three yeah. year old defenseman yeah, who's also under team control. Um, you know, Grandland, uh, Niederreiter, twenty six, yeah, twenty five years those old. Those guys should be peaking. Or right, right, exactly. These years. guys, these guys are young and and developing right. on the upswing. 
you don't I don't know that you want to necessarily cut bait with those guys. You don't um, want to trade the peak years, you'd rather trade the decline years. Right, especially because, you know, some of these guys, Granlin, Niederreiter, Brodeen are locked in for a while at their salaries and their values, the value for what they bring is only going to go up. Yes. Um compare especially if the cap keeps going up. But you've got them locked right. in for 2, 3, 4 more years yeah. at their current deals. So while they are paying paying them a decent chunk of money, you know, those guys are productive. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like you can just find those kind of players at that age yeah. every day. So given all this, what's your what's your ideal What's your ideal off season for the Wild? What if you know? Say Ooh. you're the new GM. How, how, do you, how do you come out of this feeling like you have, you know, not, mm-hmm. you know, not shortchanged the future, but have, have also, you know, gotten mm-hmm. different and better at the same time in in the short term? Um, you know, I guess it all depends on what happens with Zucker and, and Dumba. You know, because I think that's that's one A and one B in terms of where this offseason is for them. And then I think whether or not you re-sign those guys, come to an agreement with them somehow, affects the other moves that you can make. If you can't come to an agreement with Dumba, then you're hunting for defensive help. If if right. Zucker's there, if, if you have to let go of Zucker, then you have to replace that little bit of offensive pop. Um, right. So, you know, I think I would try to re-sign both of them if I could. Yeah. Um, Again, I don't know what their agents are going to be asking, um, so it's it's hard to really tell where that's going to head. But so like, lock lock them both down. Try to make a couple trades, including um, stall, including stall if that's what it takes. And use the rest of that cap space to sign one or two more, hopefully impact players. Yes, yes, potentially. So it's a realignment. It's not a radical. Right. It's shift. not a radical shift. You're trading away one or two players, but you still have a lot of. A decent amount of talent on this roster. It's not hopeless. Yeah, is this basically <laughs> this is is this your job interview for the for the wild, wild GM team. job? Is this is um, going to send this to, Chuck, to, to uh, Craig Leopold and say? Sure, I'll, I'll let you handle that. I'm sure you. I'm sure you have his email. Uh, you can send it right over to him. Here's what I would text do. him the here's, link to this podcast. Here's what we should. Here's what you should be doing. Uh, okay, well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm generally on board with that. I might, mm-hmm. I might be willing to trade the rights to Zucker, even though I like Zucker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just, I, I feel like... He's young and fast. He's young and fast, which you is know, it's a nice commodity, but he's he's also, you know, uh, I don't know. I, if you're going to satisfy the fan base, I think you might need to do a little bit more, and I don't know if that's smart or not, but yeah. he, he might be one that, that could fetch something uh, worthwhile in return that could kind of change the way you play a little bit more than just change uh, results. Um, mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit here. Talk about the Twins, uh, where the news has not been good. I think <laughs> the last time we last time we talked about the Twins, they were you know the the start to the season was fine. Yeah, we just talked about like the first thirteen games. They were like eight and five. They were seven and four. I mean, it was mm-hmm. everything. Fine. Was, it was a fine start to the season. It was fine. It was perfectly yes. fine. Yes. And then they. You know, and then everything just kind of fell apart. I mean, the the weather was awful. They they didn't play for a while. Um, they you know things just and then all of a sudden they went to New York, which is never good. Mm-hmm. They lost you know seven game you know zero and seven road trip. Came back, lost to lost to Cincinnati two out of three here, two out of three more to Toronto. I mean, what mm-hmm. if you're a Twins fan? What what's going wrong right now? Aside from everything. <laughs> Aside from everything, um, you know. 
pitching is yeah. is the is the big bugaboo right now. Um, Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn has not been good. It's it hasn't been good. It hasn't worked out so far. Um, and maybe maybe some of that is the fact that he got such a late start to spring yeah. training. Maybe it was the cold. Maybe it was you know the, the, I I don't know. Yeah. But just all around the pitching right now is just it's not acceptable if you're a twin, right. if you're a Twins fan or in Twins front office. And I know that you know help should be on the way. Right, and it kind um, of did arrive short term with Fernando yes. Romero's promising start. Yes, Santana, you know, right. on the way back, hopefully sooner than later. Right. Although it doesn't seem like he's coming back in the immediate future. Right. Um, I think a stat I looked up the other day. I think it was very indicative of of how the pitching staff has performed overall. Right. Um, Fangraphs, uh, the the advanced website. Fangraphs assigns a pitch value to every pitch thrown. Yeah. Um, and it gives it a little score based on whether it was a ball or if it was a strike or if it was a hit, if it was an out. Um, you know, and every pitch, depending on the count, is assigned a certain value. The Twins, whenever they throw a fastball, which is their most common pitch, yeah. um, they have an overall value of negative 0.83 runs per 100 pitches with fastballs. Okay. That's 24th in Major League Baseball. Okay. Basically, the the Cliffsnose version is their fastball location and Velocity, effectiveness yeah. has not been good. No. Let's... And it affects the rest of the at-bats. Sure. So if you can't locate start your fastball, there. If you can, yeah, the command has been... The biggest thing it seems yes. like they, they, they maybe they did went into the year without having the hardest throwers, but mm-hmm. guys like Lance Lynn, like mm-hmm. while their walk rate has been somewhat high, it, ha- it hasn't ever been just as awful as it's been this it's year. It's just been it's been a disaster. It's been a disaster. Yeah. They're getting very little return on investment from some of the guys they signed too. A guy mm-hmm. like you know Fernando Rodney's already blown a few saves, including a couple yep. of huge ones on that road trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan Morrison's just been in a funk. All year long, basically coming out of it yeah. a tiny bit lately, but you know Lance Lynn was a one-year, twelve million dollar deal. They're getting basically nothing from from him, and less than nothing from from him. I mean, yeah. it, the guys that looked like you know either bargains or, or guys that kind of swooped in to get late, um, you know, so far what what you're seeing is boy, it looks like there was a reason these guys were available. Yeah, um, yeah. The track record suggests better things are ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the especially return, in Lynn's case, especially yes. in Lynn's case, yeah. and Morrison, you know, had 38 home runs last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can argue about whether that was the outlier in his career, or and whether you know that he was due for this kind of regression, but probably not this. Probably not this, this kind. Steep of a regression. You I gotta, would say no. You got to wonder with him too. I mean, he didn't. How much did he DH last year? I'd have to go back and look. He, I'm imagining but, he played a lot of first base. Yeah, he's a pretty good first baseman. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. Guys like that need a little bit of adjustment uh, mm-hmm. to, to not playing the field, but it's it, it hasn't been good. Um, and I remember talking to him too a few weeks ago about how much the cold affects his hitting, and yeah, you know he's he's not a fan of the cold weather. So no. early on, especially, he was struggling with that because, it, like like him and, and most hitters will tell you, you know, getting a grip on the bat is is a problem in the cold weather. So now maybe the weather's heating up a little bit. Yeah. Maybe that helps him out. I don't know. Um, 
but that could be one reason why he especially was maybe in a funk to start the year. And he started 124 games at first yeah, last I thought, year. Ooh, I yeah, thought it was yeah. pretty high, so I, I, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's an, mm-hmm. by way of explanation, but you do mm-hmm. this, you do see that some guys with that have a hard time adjusting to being a primary DH when they've mm-hmm. been a position player their whole life because, you know, they usually you're into the game the whole time, then you just, you're like, you're pinch hitting four times a game. Yes. Is kind of the, is how it mm-hmm. feels. Um, really quick, let's let's mm-hmm. touch on the Vikings draft, and then we'll get out of here. Um, I, I saw something where the Vikings didn't get exceptional value for their draft picks. I basically hated their draft kind of across <laughs> the board. I thought they made things yeah. too complicated and didn't kind of do the simple thing, which was just take a good offensive lineman with a 30th pick, take the best one available. Got a cornerback, Mike Hughes. Uh, you know, people. Some people like him. Some people think he's you know wasn't. You know, they could have done more or something different there. They mm-hmm. took Brian O'Neill, who projects to maybe need some time to help on the offensive yep. line. I just the draft didn't make sense to me. In addition to maybe not being exceptional value, so you combine those two things, I did not like the draft. I I would tend to agree with you. I was I think like a lot of people, I was a little surprised that a cornerback was the first round pick. And keeps that ever ha- keeps ever but that's the thing what happens. Sometimes that's what happens when you have a defense first head coach. Um, right. And you spent he, $84 million on a quarterback. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You think the quarterback will help solve those issues, but we'll see, you know, I, like you, like you said, you know their their track record um, coming off of good seasons has not always been the best. Correct. Um, so maybe they were feeling pretty good with where their roster stood, and maybe they liked what they saw offensive line wise last year. Um, but I'm not so sure that I feel as optimistic heading into next year about yeah, their line and play. Yeah, and yeah, I don't either. I, I feel mm-hmm. like. I feel like they feel better about it than than uh, than a lot of us do, and we'll mm-hmm. like, we'll we'll see. They were they were right about it last year. I think we I think a lot of us were skeptical that the signings of Riley Reef and mm-hmm. Mike Remmers would would really solve much, and they they did. They they went from being a bad offensive line to I think an adequate offensive line last year. Yeah, I think though that adequate isn't always good enough and when you invest 84 million dollars in the quarterback you'd like to take an adequate into a good yes and basically they're ba- <laughs> one of their best offensive linemen joe berger retired and they mm-hmm. don't really have a clear at least to us plan on what they're going to do to replace joe berger yeah. that's a problem it's it's, it's a problem um especially when you've got dalvin cook back there waiting to be unleashed yes. uh, presumably coming back from injury yeah um i i'm with you i i, I was a little i was a little Confused. Let's let's sneak preview of what we're going to write about for Sunday. Your your hot your hot take in the office today was (laughs) was what? Don't be so sure the Vikings are going to make the playoffs in the NFC next year. Come on! No, I I know what you mean. This is a volatile league when there's only 16 games, and you look at what happened to the Vikings last year. Like so many things broke their way Mm -hmm. last year. They Mm -hmm. had a. You know, they got to play Green Bay twice, essentially without Aaron Rodgers because he was hurt early in the first game and didn't yep. play the second game. They basically only had seven road games because they got to play the one in London against the Browns. Um, they, you know, they they caught some other teams at the right times. I mean, not everything went their way, but a lot of things broke their way last yes. year to to add up to thirteen and three. And so I've I've kind of been on the opinion right mm-hmm. now for a while that they could go like eleven and five next year and still probably play just as well, if not better. Um, which which they is could kind of, which yeah. kind of aligns with what you're saying that you know maybe ten and six nine and seven maybe playoffs are more of a a uh, a 
a likelihood, but not a sure thing or, or a probability. I think I think it's I think it's likely that they make the playoffs. Don't get but, me wrong. But you put it more like seventy five twenty five. I think when most people are putting it like ninety nine one. Yeah, I would say so. I I I feel. I feel better about their chances to make the playoffs next year than I do. If you look at the six teams in the NFC, I feel better about their chances to make the playoffs again than I do of Atlanta's and Carolina's. Of the returning, of the returning teams, playoff teams. Yeah. I, I, Atlanta, I don't know yeah. where they're going to be next year. I do not have faith in Steve Sarkeesian as an offensive coordinator. By the way, did you see they um, just made uh, Matt Ryan the new highest the new paid, highest paid quarterback five years, $150 million. As they should, yeah. Yeah. Um, um and Carolina are they gonna you know yeah they're they're the mystery team they're they're the gonna, mystery, they, they always up and down. they always seem to be there at right. the end of the year right. um, but then you look at the NFC West and you've got Los Angeles who yep. probably gonna be back there again this yep. year uh, San Francisco is on the Should upswing be, yeah. um you know week one uh, San Francisco coming into yeah, Minnesota that could be a huge game for playoff all, the game, all these games are big. <laughs> <laughs> Must win. It's well, especially if, if we're if we're getting down to you know tiebreakers yeah. and things oh, like yeah. that for wild card spots. Oh, um, man, you talk about tiebreakers with the week one matchup. <laughs> I love it. We're we're in deep. We're in deep with these. Uh, with right. These, with these I, I just I just look around the NFC and I see yeah I see a lot of strong teams in I the NFC more so than the AFC. Yeah. You know, I did a thing this week. Seven of the nine yeah. Super Bowl favorites right now are in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a t- it's a tough, it's a conference. tough conference. And only six teams make the playoffs. To your point. Yes. So. Uh, yeah. Breaking. Six teams Breaking. make the playoffs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this just did. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to stop there. We're going to get, we'll probably go heavy on the Wolves and kind of what they need to do in their offseason mm-hmm. in the next edition of the North Score podcast. But thank you for listening today. I'm Michael Rand. Mm-hmm. He's Chris Ein, and we are out.